G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Now, it never fails to amaze that God is able to take a life and bring a dramatic transformation. The Bible is, of course, full of stories of how even the worst sinners can be turned into the greatest servants of God. These stories of transformation didn't end with the Bible's greatest characters. Today, there are innumerable testimonies as to not only the soul-saving, but also the life-saving power of God. Back in 2014, Neil spoke with Adrian Hernandez, a former Mexican mafia soldier who had an encounter with Jesus and now travels the world as a Christian evangelist, telling the story of his own transformed life from killer and drug runner to a passionate soul winner. Neil Johnson spoke with Adrian Hernandez while he was here in Australia on a speaking tour. Thank you very much for having me on the radio station. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here in Australia for, I think it's the third time that I've been here in Australia, but first time here in the radio station. Okay. Well, there'll be listeners who'd be interested in your story, and it's a colorful story. Insofar as you're a former Mexican mafia soldier, uh, what does that mean for Aussies who are not necessarily familiar with uh, that type of title on what you used to be? Well, a Mexican mafia soldier is a person that takes orders as in general sergeants in the, in the movement of the, of the drug lords of the drug life. Um, I had people that were over me that would tell me exactly what to take care of if somebody did not deliver a package of drugs or somebody needed to pass a certain kind of quantity of drugs that we would be the soldiers that would go out there. So working under drug lords in Mexico, uh, how significant, how far widespread is the drug problem in Mexico? And is it worse today than when you were actually involved in uh, serving those drug lords? You know, it's actually involved really a lot. Um, At that time and moment, it wasn't that strong. But over the years, it's gone to a point that even through government, even people, officials have been bought by money. People in government have been bought by money, um, either through drugs. Out of fear, they do it sometimes because they have their own family they're concerned of. And they came to threaten people saying, if you don't see this, uh, our way, we will eliminate your family. And that sort of muscle with uh, weapons and drug lords, uh, bribery and corruption, uh, it's given those drug lords in Mexico a huge amount of power. Correct. I mean, we would use um, examples. We wouldn't use major people. We would use examples that people that they worked with. Um, one of the occasions, there was somebody called um, El Pozolero, um, which means he would literally grab somebody, get a barrel of acid, and put him inside of acid. And we would just enough so they can be recognized and drop them off in front of their house and say, this is going to be you if you don't allow us to move our drugs. So that sort of uh, manipulation, uh, that sort of uh, corrupt ability to enforce 
the will upon uh, people to make them serve, to make them fearful. Uh, certainly done by killing. And, uh, and when we think of killing, we think of uh, drug lords. We're thinking of people being shot. But you're saying there's a whole lot of ways uh, that people can be made to be very afraid of drug lords in Mexico. There's so many different ways. Um, the thing that we, in our part, um, we used to use witchcraft. We used to use witchcraft. Um, we would deal a lot with the witch doctors um, to protect us and when we were passing drugs and also to give us ideas, demonic ideas, how to show fear into the people. So with that type of fear uh, in the people that are around about uh, where the drug lord and his minions are, uh, the sort of fear that you would have been under as a servant to the drug lords would have been something very similar. You would have been fearful of your own life, your own safety, uh, had you stepped out of line. Well, they tell us very straight out at a young age, um, once you're in, you're in for life. There's no turning back. So if you're going to make this decision of walking into this lifestyle of this environment, you better make sure what you're doing because you can't six months later, a year later, decide, say, oh, I don't want to be this and no more. Funding games are over. I, I want to go back to a normal life. It doesn't work that way. They tell you very straight out. They sit you down as we're talking one-on-one -on -one right now, and they tell you, this is what's going to happen. Are you interested? There's money. There's fame. But, yeah, there's also going to be consequences if you walk away. So it's your decision. And a lot of people at that time, they get brainwashed because they see the women. They see the drugs. They see the party life. But they don't see the, the behind the scenes of, of being lonely, of your life being threatened. Don't know if you're going to wake up the next day. Don't know if you're going to be betrayed by your own friend at that time and moment. So as a young man, and you were, I guess, going about your life as young men do, but there were drug lords who had this sort of lifestyle on offer, and you were available, and perhaps some might argue you were in the the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the right time. Uh, and you were almost sucked into that lifestyle. Usually, especially in the L.A. area and in California, in the Mexico area, um, the youth always try to fit in, especially for the Hispanic community. Um, the Hispanic community is always trying to superior themselves, especially when they come from Mexico, Central South America, come to the States to live a better life, to bring a better life to their family. But at that time and moment, they, they're too busy working that they forget about their children at home. And it's an open gate for the enemy. The enemy comes in and starts telling, well, your family's not there. We'll be your family. And they start showing it in the beginning. They start uh, giving them money, started giving them things that at a young age is like, wow, I don't have to work for this. I see my mom, I see my dad that go to work for 10, 12 hours a day, come exhausted from work. But I don't have to do that. The money's easy. All I have to do is just cross the street with a package, and it starts from there. It, it, they start telling you, just cross the street with this package, just $500 right there. And then when they start seeing the money comes in, they say, oh, I don't do, I want to keep on doing this. I want to keep on doing it. I want to keep on doing it to the point that they get lost. They get literally, like you said, get sucked in to the point that there's no turning back. Let's get to the turning point in your life. Uh, when you first got involved with that lifestyle in the Mexican Mafia, uh, things were glowing, there were women, there were drugs, there was power, there was some level of respect. What was happening before you got to a point where God got a hold of your heart? Well, I was involved for almost 10 years, 
10 years and then I, I got caught up at 15 years old. I started doing drugs at 15 years old. I started tr- experimenting here and there. And at that time and moment, it was all fun and games. Money was coming in, the women, the fame here and there. People were recognizing my name. And the point, to the, it came to the point that I got tired of it. I got tired of it once I started getting older and older and started seeing the pain and the suffering that I was going for the last 10 years. I decided myself, I don't want to live this life anymore. But unfortunately, I, you could not say it freely and tell a, a, fr- a fellow cartel, a fellow soldier, you know, I don't want to live this life no more. I'm tired of it because we were taught not to show weakness at all. If you're going to be a soldier, you're going to not show weakness. Even if they're killing your family in front of you, you cannot show a facial expression. You cannot show emotions because that will show a sign of weakness. So that's the reason why some of them don't say it. And they deep down inside, they want to get out, but they don't say it. And I got to a point that I was tired of it. I don't want to be this way no more. And the reason, the reason why there was a major change in my life, because something just clicked in me. Something just clicked me saying, I want to get out. And I need to know how to get out. And that's how the Lord came into my life. Now, we're revisiting some conversations from the 2020 archives today. And we're partway through a conversation with former Mexican mafia soldier Adrian Hernandez, who, after his Christian conversion, now travels the world as an evangelist. He's telling the story of his own transformed life from killer and drug runner to a passionate soul winner. In the first part of the conversation, we heard how Adrian Hernandez was working under Mexican drug lords and the cartels in Mexico, running drugs into Southern California. Neil Johnson continued the conversation about being caught in a lifestyle and asked Adrian how God speaks into the life of someone who's at a point when they really are ready to change. You know, the way that the Lord changed my life one day I was driving uh, my car. I had an 81 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, and it had hydraulics on it. And all of a sudden, one of the pumps of the hydraulics just stood still, and the vehicle was in the middle of the air. And at that time, there was this young girl that I liked, and I knew she was Christian, and but she never gave me the time of day. She told me, if you ever want to be with me as a girl, a boyfriend or girlfriend, you would have to come to church and first change, and then I'll think about ever getting connected with you. So when, at that time and moment, she's passing by and she sees me that I'm having car problems and she goes, you want to ride home? And I said, okay, I'll go, but do not talk about your Lord, your Jesus or whatever you talk about. So I get in the vehicle and the Holy Spirit just takes over, just takes over her life. She starts talking in tongues. It's just, we're having church in there, literally. And I look at her and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Are you drugged? What's wrong with you? And she goes, no, I'm not drugged. It's just the Holy Spirit you won't understand until you experiment it. And I said, oh, okay, Jesus, once again, here and there, comes and saves us and all that. And she turned around. She goes, well, okay. I said, the Lord's a gentleman, so he's not going to come crashing into your heart. But I'm going to play a music, and hopefully you like Christian music. And I go, it's your car. You do whatever you want. She puts a Christian music it, um, by a worshiper called Jesus Adrian Romero. Um, the worship song is called Submerge Me. When I heard that song, it just broke my heart because it was literally talking about tired of life. I'm walking through a desert. My, my armor is destroyed and I'm dying in the desert. And the only thing that could give me life again is that you submerge me in the rivers of life. So when I'm hearing that uh, worship in Spanish, my, my tears were coming out for the first time. And she turns around and tells me, are you crying? And, and because we were taught not to show weakness in the, in, in the mob, I was like, no, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm wiping my tears. But as more I'm saying I'm not crying, more tears are coming out. 
And the Lord literally was hugging me. For the first time in my life, I had a, a hug of a father because I didn't have a father. And I'm not using that excuse of my crime or my lifestyle because I didn't have a father. That's the reason why I did these things. No. For the first time in my life, I, I felt the love of a father, something that I was deep down desiring, a hug, a presence of, of, of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is just healing my pain, just healing my pain. I get to the house. I slam the door of a car and I said, get out of here. I don't want to see you. What have you done to me here and there? I get to the house and I call my friends. I go, bring the girls, bring the drugs. I need to get loaded under the drugs because I, I don't know what's going over me. I'm inside of a nightclub that night, wasted of drugs, a crystal methamphetamine, wasted with a cigarette in my hand, alcohol in the other dancing the night away, and all of a sudden, I don't know, it's just like a wind just came inside that disco, and I heard that same Christian song that I heard during the day, and I'm like, what is the DJ doing to me? They're probably messing around with me. I literally go to the DJ booth, and I go, what are you doing to me? And he looked at me, he goes, what's wrong with you? Look at uh, look at the screen. We're playing uh, this kind of music, and I said, no, I'm hearing something else. And my friends say, relax, I think the drug finally got to you after years of doing it. I think the mind drug has really destroyed you. And I go, no, I'm listening to a Christian song inside of a disco at 1.30 in the morning, drugged out of my mind, and I'm hearing Christian songs in my heart. I get to the house, and I call that girl, and I go, if God really exists, take me to your church. I want to know if he really exists. So... From that point forward, you went along to a local church, you heard preaching of the gospel, you responded. How did you respond in that time when you laid your life down and invited Jesus to come into your heart? You know, I I, I want to say that with all due respect, I couldn't say because the Hispanic community is Catholic in California and especially in the Mexico area. With all the respect, I want to say this. I, I couldn't say that I was Catholic or a religion or some kind of belief because I would never go to church. I would say that I was Catholic, but never went. So when I finally stepped into a church, it was new to me. Everything was new to me. I didn't know even how to raise up my hands. I didn't know how to close my eyes. I didn't even know how to open up a Bible. When I'm hearing this preacher, and I'm talking about a Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit preacher just running up and down with a wireless mic, bringing the heat of the Holy Spirit, I looked at him and I go, wow, this guy must be on a really good drug because, wow, he's, he's blowing my mind away. But when he's preaching the Word of God, and I kept on feeling the love when he would quote the Scriptures. I would feel the love of God, and I was like, wow, I'm feeling this again, what I felt a couple of hours ago. I'm feeling it one more time, the love of God, the, 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 the brace of the Holy Spirit in my heart once again. And Adrian, we're going to have to cut a lot out of your story. Uh, but from that point, this encounter, this dramatic encounter with Jesus, uh, using that song, uh, really tugging at your heartstrings, you've come a long way. And these days, uh, you've, uh, in, you've planted churches uh, in the United States and in Mexico, and uh, and you're a visitor now around the world and speaking here in Australia uh, to various audiences. Uh, he's taking you on a journey where you're actually making an impact into other people's lives. You know, by the grace of God, the day that I got saved, the day I got delivered, the day the Lord was doing things in my life, as soon as the the Lord said, okay, the second day I was already preaching, just like Apostle Paul. As soon as he got delivered, as soon as everything was happening in his life, he was out there. I went out there without 
knowing really the Bible, just reading it while I was on the plane or I was on the bus heading toward Mexico or the times that I was at the hotel or staying at pastor's houses, just reading and knowing what the really word was meaning in my life. And I would preach it. I would preach it. And 13 years, by the grace of God, I've been around the world. I preached in front of pastors, in front of uh, prisoners. I was a chaplain for four years in California. It's amazing when you see prisoners tatted up, tattoos, bowing down under the presence of God, seeing people that maybe you look at them and you say, oh, there goes a criminal, there goes somebody out there, a, a junkie or whatever, but bowing down under the presence of God. And I've seen how the Lord has really um, supported me, really supported me. Um, I know we're cutting down on, on a lot. I I, I want to focus on a certain area, and, and I hope we have time. A lot of people say, oh, well, he was in a mob. I've heard so many stories that you cannot walk out of the Mexican mafia. He said it himself right now, and it's true. Because when I walked away, my friends that said at that time when I was in a drug life, I will always be there here and there, they turned their back against me. They came into church with guns in their hands to kill me inside of church the day I was going to be baptized. My best friend of the world at that time came to my house, put a 9 millimeter in my face, and with tears in his eyes, he says, you know why I'm here. I can't go back because if I don't kill you, they're going to kill me and my family. What do I do? And I told him, pull the trigger. At least you can say you pulled the trigger. There'll be evidence enough that you pulled the trigger because I knew the, the, the codes that they would ask for to find out if you really pulled the trigger. There was residue in your hand and all that. So I told him, pull the trigger. Go ahead and pull the trigger. At least I know I'm going in front of the Lord now. Back in the days, I didn't know where I was ending. I didn't know if I was going to go to heaven or go to hell. Adrian, as you think back on that contrast for what was a life that was filled with corruption, uh, violence, uh, hatred, that encounter with Jesus, and a life now that is, and I, I can hear this in your heartbeat, love has made all the difference, the love of God, and clearly the love of those that you've been able to uh, shelter with uh, those Christian believers who've been able to help you out of the lifestyle that you were in. When you think of that contrast now, is it, is it just so almost unbelievable to think that God does this stuff with someone's life? I honestly thought I wouldn't, wasn't going to be saved. I didn't think I was going to even survive. And when the Lord started changing my life, I look at it now, 13 years later, 14 years later, and I'm like, Wow, I should have been there a long time ago. And I remember certain spots in my life in the, in the, in the Mexican mafia. I should have been in here. I should have been dead here. I should have been in here. I should have been in here. And your grace, your hand of mercy pulled me out. You literally stopped the coffin from going down. And, and it's only because of him. And I tell everybody wherever I go, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how, what kind of lifestyle you live. You might be, the person America's most wanted. But God will still forgive you. His love and his mercy endures forever. And I think that translates to Australia's most wanted too. Adrian Hernandez, our guest, and we've been hearing his story, a former Mexican mafia soldier. There'll be a link to Adrian's website on the vision.org.au page. Look for the 2020 blog and we'll have a link there. But Adrian, just a pleasure hearing the story that uh, that you've been able to tell 
of God's hand upon your life. And uh, our prayer, and I think uh, Aussie listeners right around this country will will join in a prayer that says, uh, Lord, bless this man and let there be a tremendous response and uh, fruit to the testimony and the ministry that you have. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you very much for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.